book, all the people could see him because he was standing above them. As he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Serebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatheah, Hodiah, Masaiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jehazabad, Hanan, and Peleah instructed the people in the law while, they were, while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat, drink, and to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. So today we're talking about joy. Now, it's kind of a double-edged sword for me because, yes, joyful, I'm standing here with a, a llama on my sweater. It's, it's got to be funny at some point. The other side of that is, I wonder, is anybody going to take me serious with a llama on the front of my shirt? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about joy. Joy. As we read out of Nehemiah, The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't count on the joy of Ian being your strength. That you're, not gonna get, you're just not going to get very far. Don't count on your own personal joy being your strength. As a matter of fact, that's kind of where we get um, happiness and joy confused. Okay? Happiness and joy, sometimes we do get those out of whack. Happiness comes from the circumstances or the situations that we're in. Joy raises up in spite of the circumstances. Happiness distracts you from the moment while joy sustains you in the moment. I wrote that down. I'm like, wow, that's good. I needed that. Because I get distracted and I think, you know what, if I can just have another slice of ham... I'll be good. That'll make me happy. What are we having for dessert? Because you know what? I really feel like being in the mood. There gets to a point in my life, I wake up in the morning, and my first thought, Lord forgive me, is 
I wonder what we're having for dinner. That, that will get me through all of the madness that I have to face through the day. If I know when I get home, man, there's something I love is coming off the stove. Right? Or, I wonder where I'm going to be around noon because, man, I could go for whatever it is. Dairy Queen's got their blizzards on sale. You know, we think along those lines and we actually look at those circumstances and these things that we can grab a hold of to create some type of happiness in our life so that we're distracted from the chaos that's going on in here. And the Lord tells us that my joy is your strength. Well, how do I tap into that? Where does that come from? What is this? The joy that the Lord gives us is a response to the confidence that we have in God and the faith that we carry in His promises to us. When we're in a difficult situation, how is it that you can be joyful in those things? How, how is that? Because the world tells us we should be losing our marbles about this time. When we're trying to focus in on these difficulties that we're facing, how then do we bring it into perspective, the situation, and be joyful in it? Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, talks about Jesus going to the cross. And He had joy in it. Are you kidding me? He did. He found joy in it. James, gotta love this guy. He tells us to count it all joy. <laughs> count it all joy. Now there's a two-letter word in that little sentence that we run over oftentimes, but every one of us own it, and it's called it. Count it. Here's my question to you. What's your it? Because the Bible tells us to count it all joy. He goes on to tell us why. Because of perseverance gives you patience. Did anybody else think that was funny? Yeah. The one thing we all want. Who here wants patience? <laughs> There's a few of us that are going to raise our hands because yes, yes, you know, I really want patience. There's the rest of us that are going, man, I am not raising my hand because as soon as I raise my hand, I know what's coming. And you know what? You're right. Because that's how the Bible tells us we are taught. It's going to come to you. James 1, 1 and 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy when you fall, got to love that word, 
into various trials. When things come upon you that are difficult, count it all joy. Joy. Not distracted happiness. But joy. Because what that is, is a characteristic of the living God that abides within your life has an opportunity to bubble to the surface and be put on display in the middle of your madness. Church, that's powerful. Because it's the same God, the same Spirit, who was there in Genesis, who spoke the world into existence, now lives within you and is interested in you growing. Oftentimes, we won't pray for patience. But the one thing and the one characteristic in so many people that we admire and that we wish that we were like is when you walk up and you meet a patient woman or a patient man, we always walk away going, man, I wish I was like that. Man, I wish I had that. There's the formula. When your trials come upon you, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Count it. Consider it. Make it. Make yourself joyful. And the testing of your faith will produce your patience. The great thing about it is, is that when we meet those people who are so patient, and we go, man, I wish I had that. If you are patient, you are that person in someone else's life. And they are attracted to learn and to be patient. But Ian, I have a hard time being joyful. If it doesn't involve food, I don't know how I can get happy. Right? It's just very real. It's just, it's, it's just a very real thing. And I can I stand up here and I admit it. You know, I'm a, I can clean off a, a, a plate of Buckeyes faster than anybody else. But how then do we get to that point of having that joy raise up within us? How? 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This, this book is a letter that Paul writes to Timothy. Paul's in prison at this time. And he writes this letter to Timothy, and he's, he's working to build Timothy up. Now keep in mind and understand, Timothy was young, teenager, pastor. What? Yeah, teenage pastor. Timothy steps into this role. Paul has all the, the trust and belief that, that, that Timothy is God's man. And here's what Paul says to him at the very beginning of this letter, of this introductory. He says in verse 6, well, let me start back. I'll start in verse 5. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Imagine you getting this letter. He says, I have, I, have reminded, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. For this reason, 
Because I know what has been deposited into your life. That's what he's saying. What has come from your grandmother, Timothy, into your mother, who is now a part of you. Every one of us has that history rolling in our head right now, don't we? Man, I'm like my, grandma, my grandfather this way. It's passed along. This is the generational shifts and spiritual deposits that God puts in families that goes from one generation to the next. Now, there's a whole huge teaching that goes along with that, and we'll get to it at some point. But I need you to see and understand that it goes from generation to generation to generation. So there is parts of you that come from your parents, that come from your grandparents, and on up the line. That is spiritual. That is spiritual. And Paul is writing to Timothy about this. So for this reason, for the reason that all of this is passed into your lap, Timothy, I remind you to stir up, some versions say, fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands, which is in you through the laying of hands. Stir up the gifts that are in you. Now, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit is in your life, right? We've talked about that. We know that. What are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? What are the fruits of the Spirit? One of them is joy. So you have joy in you. Just like Paul is telling Timothy, I'm telling you, that the joy that lives within you, the Holy Spirit, when you are in these tough, difficult circumstances, stir it up. Stir it up. Because oftentimes what happens is these circumstances pile in on top of us and we begin to feel buried. Anybody ever been there? You feel buried. I can't take one more thing and it just keeps coming. James says, to count this all joy, you have got to be joking me. All this is supposed to be joyful. Yes, because the testing of your faith produces patience. Because see, God, who is everywhere, who is in the past, the present, and the future, all at the same time, sees where you're going to be in the future. Be joyful of what the trials are shaping you into today. But I'm just having a hard time being joyful. I can't eat enough snickerdoodles. I can't stay happy. My, my, my stomach will only hold so much. And then I feel awful. Exactly. But we're moving out of the circumstance. It's not being happy and being distracted from the circumstances. It's being joyful and powerful and full of strength in the circumstances. So stir it up. How? Ask God. Interesting point here. Lay on of hands. Do you know when you're having a tough day and someone who cares about you and who loves you, whom you know is full of compassion, comes up and puts their hand on your shoulder or wraps their arm around you, how things shift? You know that, right? That intimate time, that intimate moment where that person whom you know 
is kind, considerate, compassionate. Comes up and touches you. There's a shift, isn't it? See, that's what Paul was telling Timothy. The gifts that you have, Timothy, when I laid my hands on you, they were stirred up in you. They rose to the top. What was on you and burying you and keeping you down can't stop what is bubbling up in through you. You guys understand? You feel that? You remember that experience you have when things start to feel lighter? That's God in motion. That's the Holy Spirit in motion. I was having a great conversation with, with uh, Mercy and Gracie sitting at our dining room table. And, and Gracie looks at me and she says, You know, Dad, when the enemy comes against me, I feel so much weight. I, feel, I just feel the pressure pushing down. But when I surrender things over to the Lord, and I feel the Holy Spirit moving in my heart, I feel lighter. It's true, isn't it? That's the spiritual fight. That's the battle that we're in. Because see, the enemy wants to press you down, hold you down, keep you down. While the Lord wants to lift you up. And see, that's the joy. So the joy that lives in us in the middle of our difficult circumstances and the difficult times in which we face, you know what? Get together with somebody and pray over it. It's okay if somebody puts their hands on your shoulders and prays and asks the Lord to move and asks for that gift that you've been given to be stirred up. To, like I said, one of the versions says, to fan into a flame. There's too many times that we let the fire of the Holy Spirit to be reduced to embers. When it's a matter of fanning things into flames. The difficulties that we face. And I understand COVID and all that stuff, but why, why don't we take advantage of coming up to somebody and going, hey, would you pray for me? Put your hands on me. Touch me. Stir that up in my life. Because I need it. I need that to lift me up and rise above all of what the enemy is trying to push me down in. Praying for one another. It's what I was talking about earlier. Laying on of hands. Just like we were talking about, there's a transference of, of spirituality and gifts and purpose from one generation to the next. There is a transition of when someone prays over you and they touch you. We have all experienced it. It may not be in prayer, but when somebody comes up to you that you really like and they touch you, at points don't you ever just go, oh, that, man, I, I just, that's wonderful. That's the spiritual world in motion, church. It really is. And couple that with prayer and the moving of the Holy Spirit within both of us that are praying for one another stirs those things up and allows joy to come to the surface. So in the difficulties, in the trials that we face, we can count it 
all joy. Because God knows where He's taking us. It's a matter of moving through that. Joyfully. Trusting the promise of what's to come. Not being lost in the moment. Not being blinded by what I see right in front of me right now. Because God doesn't just see your today. He sees your every day. And He sees that what's happening right now is shaping you into what He has designed you to be, what He has called you to be. Preparing you for your coming days. And church, those days are good. Those days are good. So count it all joy. Count it all joy. Because God has promised that all things work together for good to those who love Him. Well, you don't understand this tough situation and the tough conversation I'm going to have to have with my boss coming this week, this coming week. I don't understand that situation. I've been in a few myself. And as I look back on those situations, it has shaped me into who I am today. So you know what? Count it all joy. Well, you don't know the situation I'm dealing with with my family. No, no, I don't. But I do know that we're to count things as joy. I do know that all things work together for good. I do believe these promises. And they have been true to me. Count it all joy. So allow us to break these molds that we're in and step into something new, something deeper, and let's count things as joy. Jesus was obedient to the cross out of joy because He knew what it held. He knew what was coming. Each one of our situations, each one of our circumstances are designed for God to be put on display through us. So let's count our trials as joy. Let's not get lost in what we understand happiness to be. Let's set those things aside and step into the true joy of what God has for us. The true joy. Father, we thank You for this day that You've given us, how You have blessed us. God, thank You so much for giving us an understanding of that there is joy. There's joy to be had. It may not be easy. It may be a learning experience. And Father, I thank You for just walking with us through it. Father, I just ask You to continue to teach us. And God, I ask you to send people alongside of us, to walk with us, to help us learn, to help us understand. Father, I thank you for... God, I thank you for forgiveness. Those times when we fall during the trials, those times when we don't handle it right. Father, you're there to forgive us, to pick us up, to move us on to the next day. But Father, I pray that You teach us the depths of Your joy so that we become this light. This light in our own lives, this light in our families. Father, this light in our workplaces. Father, in our, our areas, in our sphere of influence. Father, thank You for loving us more than we could ever, ever imagine. We thank You for sending Your Son so that we can be here today 
with one another, worshiping you and loving you. In Jesus' name, amen.